All right. Good morning. Today on the Tea Podcast, we have a fellow uh, leadership Lafayette classmate, Peyton Rose Michelle. She is the executive director of Louisiana Trans Advocates, or LTA. Uh, we're going to be talking with her about a bunch of different things. Uh, a lot of uh, topics revolving around um, trans advocacy and different topics along that lines. Uh, we kind of chatted a little bit before the episode to kind of see what was open for discussion, and Peyton says pretty much anything. So should be a good episode. So sit back and enjoy the show. All right, so before we get started, I want to go ahead and let you know about our presenting sponsor, Chase Group Construction. They take the lead and become your one point of contact for the entire design build process. So if you're looking to build a business or renovate a business, they are the people to call. They have a diverse portfolio of projects that range from medical centers to popular restaurants to multi-unit shopping centers, all the things that you can build and run a business out of. Their website is chasegroupconstruction.com. Great local people. And um, yeah, they, they support us. So we are going to make sure to let you know about them. All righty. So Peyton, welcome to the Tea Podcast. Thank you so much. I love having tea. Oh, yeah. Look, I wish I had tea right here, but there's going to be some tea, I'm sure, that's going to be spilt. Exactly. So, <laughs> all right. So go ahead and for uh, for introduction's sake, tell us a little bit about you and the elevator pitch style. Yeah. So I'm Peyton Rose Michelle, Executive Director of Louisiana Trans Advocates. I use she, her pronouns and... You know, I've been an advocate for like eight years now. Um, I became an advocate out of survival means um, to support myself. And then I just learned about all kind of other injustices in the world that, you know, I thought I should try to contribute to as well. Um, and I've volunteered. I used Louisiana Trans Advocates as resources as a younger trans person, um, volunteered and just kind of literally worked my way up the ladder until getting to a place where I thought, how do we go further without staff? And so I made that jump and turned us into a staffed organization and I'm just doing whatever I can with whatever I can ever yeah. since. Okay, so I want to go ahead and kind of, um, well, I want to, I want to, I was going to go into what the Louisiana Trans Advocates Organization does, but you're originally from Lafayette, right? Parks, Burbridge, yes. Okay, Lafayette. okay. Look, let me move the mic a little closer. Okay. There you go. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh, growing up in this area. I'm from an hour north in uh, a smaller town called Turkey Creek, closer to Alexandria. Uh, a lot of people would call it the Bible Belt of Louisiana. It's kind of tight around that area. Um, and then as you go further south, the Catholic religion really becomes more prominent. Uh, as you go further north in Alexandria, north Louisiana, that is more um, 
Protestant-based, Baptist, Pentecostal, and all that. Um, tell me a little bit about growing up in this area of Louisiana for you. Yeah, you know, I, I was raised Catholic. I got my communion, and then I was told by my parents that I could continue or, you know, not continue up to... It was up to me after I got my communion. So I got my communion. Um, I, at the time, did not feel very supported by the church, so I did kind of dip out of the church. Um, uh, you know, being raised here has been really interesting. People, of course... Um, like to you know assert their beliefs onto other people sometimes which now as a christian i do not think is very appropriate um but you know it's it's been very interesting it's obviously a very small town uh i grew up literally between two cane fields um <laughs> literally um I, I love small towns i love ruralness i love being in nature i love all of it. Um, and I even love the people. I mean, I, Burbridge was an interesting experience for me because it felt like, except for a small few, I was kind, everyone just kind of let people be. Um, and I really appreciated that. I think that's kind of the, the energy we should all be having more so. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I love, I loved going to the crawfish festival and all that. Um, so I don't know. It obviously wasn't perfect, but I, I'm a positive person and I found the positive in it for yeah. sure. Yeah. So in comparing this area, you said you like small towns and the ruralness of the area. Um, um, I'm pretty sure you've traveled to larger cities. Um, I'm pretty sure for different, um, marches and everything like that. How do you compare those places to this area? Is it more accepting for real or is it is is it a facade? You know, everywhere has their different personality, I guess. Like I remember one time I was in Denver and I was walking along the streets and I smiled at someone, and they looked so offended. They just, I don't know. I guess people don't smile at each other Goodness. the same way. Um, so, but, but again, here, you smile at someone, and then they'll go talk about you behind your back. So, you know, Oh, my gosh. I, everyone has their different personalities. Everyone has their different ways of dealing. I do think that other places are more, um, I would say it's, it's accepting, yes, but I think other places realize they don't need to care what other people do in these micro areas in their lives, whereas here people feel like if you don't align with them in the micro areas as well, you know, whatever those are, I think um, that's where the the tension begins, yeah. uh, the, the care about yeah. it. So growing up in a much smaller town than Lafayette, uh, the town, I think, had a population, or I think should still have a population of around 400 people. It's certainly, technically a village, not even a town. Uh, they do have a mayor. Um, the, when you hear an ambulance, everybody's mama ambulance chased. 
wanted to know who the ambulance was going to because it was such a small place that it was it was it's it was nosy but also there was like a level of care but southern women will talk and so like oh who's so and so you know is it a domestic dispute is it this and so moving to Lafayette yeah we're we're not a big city in comparison to Houston or LA or anything like that, or even New Orleans, but we're big enough to where the small town that I lived in, this feels like a big city with a small town feel. Um, I don't feel like people here chase ambulances as often you hear an ambulance or siren. You wonder like, Oh, you know, it's probably either a chase or, you know, a domestic dispute, but you don't think to go follow it. But in small towns they do. So it kind of, Seems similar when you're comparing a small town to a city in your perspective. Uh, bigger places tend to not care as much as what you're doing with your personal life versus a small town when it's your personal life. It's so small that some people feel like they need to be involved in your personal life. Exactly. <laughs> um, and and I think small town people feel a level of, or can, not always, but they can feel a level of like, um, like uh, they feel like they deserve to know things on a different level about people. Like they deserve to know what's happening in their family. They deserve. And, you know, I'm nosy, so I totally understand. I'm curious. I get it. I want to know things. But, um, you know, I, there's a boundary about, you know, how much you're going to pry, how much you're going to ask questions, right. how much you're going to put your energy into knowing. Like you said, the difference between wondering, oh, what's happening in that ambulance from your driveway or whatever, and then the difference in getting in your car and going to try to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, the the differences between small towns and big cities is always um, interesting to talk about, and it and there's several different facets where you can talk about that. Yeah. Um, so I I'm curious, and I've been curious ever since um, we became classmates, because um, I have never really actually like sat down with someone who's trans, at least that I know of. Right. And had a conversation. And <clears throat> um, me being a straight guy and in a straight relationship, married to a woman, a biological woman, um, <clears throat> I've always wondered and had questions. And we've watched shows. Um, my wife and I, we used to love watching uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. We stopped watching it because there were some times where it got really political and it was like, okay, why are you throwing that? Like, we like the entertainment side of it. It was funny. Uh, a lot of the campiness and the, 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 the phrases they would use is still a pretty popular thing today. But um, I've always wondered what goes through someone's mind at a young age or any age that so obviously you were once a male, a, 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 a regular male, and then transitioned uh, I guess I'm curious like when did you feel different like tell me a little bit about that like I want to know kind of the process absolutely the, the term you're looking for is I was assigned to male at birth okay um which I really am interested I love the terminology because it's really accurate to how 
a baby is born and the doctor is like, yep, that one, check. And then they move on. Um, yeah, so for me, you know, I actually learned I was trans through RuPaul's Drag Race, ironically. Really? Um, I, um, I didn't know trans people existed before I saw transness on Drag Race. Um, you know, throughout my life, I was bullied as early as first grade. Um, people knew I, something was different about me, I guess. Um, I didn't. I was just having fun with my life. Were you? Were, did you come across as flamboyant? I guess so. I my mom and dad, looking back, they never really told me because I was a boy. I had to do boy things, anything really. Yeah. They let me have the toys I wanted. They let me do generally the things I wanted to do. So I didn't really have a great idea or structure for like I should be in this lane until I went to school and then. The kids were like, apparently I was getting out of my lane, you know, so the kids were clocking that and they were telling me and they were calling me bad words. Oh, okay. And, Got it. Um, so, you know, through, through being bullied, I really kind of understood that I was different, but I didn't, I never really understood what that was. Um, in fact... They would call me gay and different versions of it. So I thought that's what I was. Um, there was a time in my life where I just thought I was like too gay. Like just all the way. Um, too gay? That's such a that thing. That was literally what I thought. I mean, I was 14, 13, you know, I didn't. Okay. That was the terminology I had at that time. And so um, it wasn't until I saw Drag Race and then I thought I would just be a full-time drag queen because I just loved the idea of being done up and stuff yeah. and um and then I realized that's not <laughs> the thing um and I you know explored transness and at first I was afraid of hormones and at first I was afraid of being perceived femininely in public and at first I was afraid of all of the things that you have to go through the transition but and so were my mom and my parents and whatnot um but you know we it was a longer process of thinking about it and trying to decide what's right and what's wrong and what makes me feel comfortable and, you know, moving through all of the different feelings, um, having a therapist, um, all of the things and till, you know, I had decided one day that I wanted to transition medically and so I... Then talk, Then I had to work the work, work on my mom, which was also scared. Yeah. She wasn't going through it at the same rate. So I had to, uh, I, I thankfully accidentally got her to meet a trans person at a bar, at a drag show, uh, because at that time I turned 18, and she, uh, she talked to them and learned from her. And, you know, at the end of the night, she came up to me and was like, we'll do whatever you want just want you to be happy i don't understand it but you know i don't need to understand it 100 percent to move forward and talk to the doctors and all that you know yeah um talking to doctors help you know right understand. i mean yeah and your mom not understanding it i mean there was a time where you really didn't understand exactly anything. yeah I, I you know that's that's why i resonate uh with that that's why i think i'm so good at doing what i do today because i understand that it's it 
for some people, like I said, some people are just like, you. I think you should do what you want to do. And that's for them. And some people, they want to understand it more. And whether I think they need to understand it or not is one thing. But, you know, I I do my best to support people and kind of working through that understanding. And yeah. Getting towards, moving towards comfort. Got it. Okay. Well, look, we are at a time where I want to get my sponsors mentioned, my two other sponsors, and we'll continue the conversation because I have tons more um, topics and questions that I want to touch on. But first, let's go ahead and get those bills paid. Amen. So Music Academy of Acadiana, if you're wanting to learn music or if you want to improve your music talent, uh, you can check out Music Academy of Acadiana. They are Acadiana's top choice for music lessons. So uh, anything from piano, guitar, if you think you have a voice or if you do actually have a voice and want to improve it, uh, they teach that. Drums, violin, all the, all the things. Um, founded by UL Lafayette Music School graduate Tim Benson. Uh, they have national recognition and are, con- and are consistently voted as a top school in 2016, since 2016. Um, and then the founder, he's also in a cover band, an emo cover band called The Criers. So if you want to check him out, uh, really cool guy, really great company, local company. Um, so if you want to learn music, uh, they've had several students go on to uh, graduate college and excel in college and also compete in major music competitions like uh, American Idol and The Voice. Really cool stuff. So check them out. Their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers. And their website is musicacademyacadiana.com. And then our final sponsor round for EPS is Electronic Protection Systems, or EPS. You may have seen the signs. Basically, they have been around for 20 years, recently expanded to Houston, Texas. They have smart home security systems and whole home water conditioning systems. So if you want to have your home more secure and be able to like lock down your house from your phone or look at cameras from your phone or look at two weeks worth of video footage in front of your house because maybe your neighbor did something stupid that while you wasn't home or maybe there was some drama that went down, you can always kind of go scroll back through. And also if your water sucks at home, you can make your water taste better with their systems. Uh, basically, it just filters out all the water going into your home and helps all your appliances and your water taste better, smell better, all that good stuff. Uh, check them out at eps-online.com, or you can go to this little referral link, uh, link.developinglafayette.com slash EPS. We'll get a little kickback from it if you use it. If not, no harm, no foul. And that is our sponsors. All righty. Love it. That was probably the quickest I've ever done that. Because um, I'm trying to keep my train of thought here. All right. So um, you mentioned earlier that being uh, raised Catholic and you you seemingly, from what I understand, identify as a Christian. It's a hard word to identify with but these days. But I, I identify as just spiritual Okay. But I do go to Christian churches. Okay. Well, so by all yeah, means, I, I mean, am. I know the, the for in some social spheres, the term Christian can be perceived as a negative. Um, obviously, the term trans woman is perceived as a negative to some social spheres. Um, it just depends on how you look at it. Um, 
I also was raised Christian. Uh, I was raised in the Pentecostal church, so we're a little wild, um, and I love it. I, I, I'm not a wild one. I don't do the running and the jumping, but I love watching people, you know, get into the spirit and, as you say, spiritual. And some there are some times where it gets weirdly spiritual. I'm like, and we don't do snakes. We don't do snakes. <laughs> I know some people are like, oh, he's probably a snake carrier. No, 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 no. Those are different people. Um, so reason why I bring that up, because in your Leadership Lafayette uh, profile photo, um, or I guess photo, your headshot, you had a rosary. I do, yeah. And I was, and I'll be honest, when I first saw that, I'm like, a couple of things went through my head. Either... Peyton is newly trans and still figuring out life from being a Christian and all that, or this is a jab at Catholicism and the fact that, you know, Catholicism sometimes uh, has a, a pretty bold stance against certain people. So those two things are running through my head. So it's, it's, it's nice to hear that you are practicing yeah as a christian yeah neither of those things i i used to wear a rosary all the time as my reminder to be godly um like i said i i did leave religion and church for a time in my life um i, I think a not, lot of people i do. did not feel supported you know i didn't i didn't feel called to it um but in after I transitioned, I don't know. I went through some kind of a spiritual journey. Um, I, you know, I was bullied my whole life, so I had a tough exterior. I was a not a super loving, kind person all the time. Um, I don't know. I, and something kind of shifted me back into being spiritual, and um, and I wore that rosary during years i wore it every day um i stopped wearing it because i accidentally wore it into the ocean one time and it started to rust oh um i still have it but um i wore that rosary as a reminder to me to like love myself love the people i come into contact with i love what the rosary stands for it is magic in and of itself i mean the whole thing of a rosary is you you set an intention and then you pray the entire rosary and then by the time you're done, your intention, you know, is a spell essentially yeah. for lack of a better word. So like, I really appreciate you know the the like the magic and whatnot in in Catholicism and in Christianity and in the rosary. So I wore it for a while. I don't wear it anymore because, like I said, it rusted, and um, I ended up replacing it with a different cross, and I don't know. I, I don't feel the need to wear a cross anymore. I still go to church every Sunday. I uh, I got baptized in 2019, 2020, 2019 or 2020 uh, as an adult um, in a Southern Baptist church, uh, you know, uh, I... I appreciate the Lord and I appreciate, you know, being a part of that energy. Um, and I think that 
when when the inner when Christianity moves from that and it moves to judgment, I think it is moving away from its original intent. I mean, even the Bible says it's not our job to judge; it's the Lord's job. So, I just you know, that's not my job. My job is to be good, be kind, be loving, share, yeah, etc. So that's what I try to do. No, I I, I love it. I love um, you know. I don't want to judge anybody's path in life, as especially uh, if they're they're still trying to figure out things, um, especially when it comes to religion, because religion is complicated. Um, and I mean, we went through a time in my life with my family where we stopped going to church, and I and I didn't realize we stopped going for a while until one day I was like, we haven't been to church in a few Sundays, and we would also go on Wednesdays. I'm like. Why haven't we went back? Uh, apparently, there was drama in the church. Uh, a new, a new pastor. You know, sometimes it. happens. Um, and then one day, um, in my you know early adulthood, uh, I was like mid twenties. I say early twenties, maybe. Uh, my mom started going back to church, and I didn't go back with her initially. And she started going back, and then for Pentecostals. Um, there's a thing called receiving the Holy Ghost, and it's it's a very odd thing because I grew up seeing people catch the Holy Ghost, and was I was always, um, for lack of better terms, weirded out because I was like, "What's happening?" And I was raised in that, but I've seen people act wild. I'm like, I don't know what's happening. It was it's. Essentially, it is a possession, but people see possession as a negative term, like it's a like satanic possession. Mm-hmm. But essentially, receiving the Holy Ghost is God entering into your soul and claiming a a position inside of you. And so, I know that's a weird way to look at it. So, if you've never heard that before, like look it up. Um, and so, my mom said she had received the Holy Ghost, and I was like in my early twenties. I'm like. I thought you already had it, like, but apparently, <clears throat> I don't know, but she got it, and she invited me back to church uh, for an Easter Sunday, and uh, for about a month, I was going back with her, and then um, I had a some family, um, I had a cousin who was, like, probably seven or eight years old coming back, and he was trying to seek the Lord, like, he was praying, and he had his eyes closed, his hands were raised, and I was watching him, and I was so curious, I'm like, why is he doing that? He's so little. And obviously, kids are impressionable, so they see someone doing it. But it really hit with me. And all of a sudden, the pastor comes up to me and says, Ben, I'm going to pray for you. And he puts his hand on my head, and he has, like, the uh, the oil and the whole thing. And I'm not even kidding you. I, I blacked out. And I fell to my knees. Like, I couldn't stand up. I was like, um, this is weird. Like, I've never experienced this. And so... According to what I'm being told, I I got hit with the Holy Ghost. And I was like, if that's what it felt like, it was nothing I've seen people do. I've seen people get really wild. Now, I think it obviously affects everybody. So anyway, I know we're going on a tangent here, but um, it just I'm trying to kind of yeah. share my experiences. And, you know, there are times where um, I didn't know what was going on with my life. Being an, a teenager, you don't – you go through things that – you're like, why, why is, why am I thinking like this? There were a time when I was in high school and my wife makes fun of me now because 
um, she was like, uh, you were never this. But there was a time in high school where I believed that I must be gay. And so I'll explain. I never could feel like I could attract a girl. I was like, I never really had a girlfriend. And all the girls that I hang around, they're very friendly, but they're not girlfriend material, I guess. And like, I still to this day prefer to hang around more feminine people, women, whatever. And and, And I'm a straight guy. I know that now through some exploration and just kind of figuring out things. But um, I guess parlaying that to you um, in your teenage years, before you came across RuPaul's Drag Race and started exploring that part of your life, did you have relationships? Were you with any guys? Were you with any girls? Like, how did that look for you? You know, I... I would say I was too depressed to pursue any relationships, but I did date some girls, like, probably about five-ish during my, like, middle high school years. Um, I mean, I remember, I'm still friends with some of them to this day. I, um, you know, I, and I felt like I loved them. You know, of course, for like teenagers um, and like young people, love is kind of outside of like bounds. I would say to yeah. some degree, uh, fully understanding that. So, I mean, I love them. I still love them, and I. But I don't know. I depression. You know, <laughs> depression will really tell you you're not very attractive or whatever. So you. It's not like I was, not like I thought I was anything to be valued by other people. It's not like I thought other people would want to date me. So I don't know. It was it was not something I was very interested in, but but it did happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, during you know, I remember a Valentine's Day where me I got a girl a necklace and she got me. Um, it was just cute. Like, you know, cute stuff like that, but not nothing like yeah. real. So nothing serious. Right. Exactly. Um, I did not have my first kiss until I was in high school. And after I had explored my identities more, um, and felt more comfortable. So it was all very like shallow relationshipy yeah, yeah, yeah. love stuff. So... When did you kind of know, obviously you knew something was different, you said first, second grade in those earlier years, but like when did you, I guess, come out as something? Yeah, um, you know, during middle school, middle school was probably my roughest years, Um, you know, being old enough to, you know, be a person kind of, but not it's still very confusing the world and whatnot um during middle school it was really rough so during freshman year i took a year to do virtual school um that was like the first time st martin parish had that uh so i had a whole year of virtual schooling um 
I was a complete 4.0 A student before that. I was not self-motivated enough to do virtual schooling, so I had terrible grades. But I learned a lot about myself. I was able to be myself for a year without, like, the other kids, like, hammering into me um, and locking me into feeling, like, negatively. So I had that year of exploration, and by the time I went back to school, I didn't know I was trans yet, but I did decide that if someone called me gay, I was just going to be like, yep. Um, I had essentially decided that I would just be like, I can't say of the word, but, um, I I just thought I'd be like my own self. I was taking up space. I was talking back to the bullies. I wasn't being quiet anymore. Um, all of that. So that was, so you were tired of being bullied. Exactly. And I, and I started to verbally fight back, um, and around that time, I guess you could say I came out as gay, but I wasn't wasn't in relationships. I wasn't dating anyone. So it's even rocky for me. Like, it's not like I really knew what I was. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until senior year that I had finally decided, like, I'm trans. I came out as trans. Um, uh, it, I didn't really come out at school very aggressively because it didn't feel worth it. Um, By the time I started hormones, it was like the spring semester of my senior year. It was like, like what, first five months, I'm going to have to fight whatever. I'm going to have to fight for this to be a thing. So I just kind of chilled out about it. But I mean, I did wear a dress to homecoming. Okay. I was told I could not, and I told them a bit. (laughs) Um, And I did so anyway. Um, I did do things like that, but I was, I would not have been confident enough in how I was feeling to label it. Yeah. You went to a public school? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Because I was thinking, I was like, if they told you you couldn't, I feel like that that was very, like, a Catholic school vibe. But, yeah. Okay. No, my principal told me that I could not wear a dress, and I said, I look forward to you turning me away in my dress yeah. and heels. Um, my principal told me I couldn't have blue hair. I wanted blue hair so bad because I wanted to be a little rocker. Uh, I had, like, flaming shoes, like, with flames on them. Not actual flaming shoes, but, right. like, they had flames on them. And I wanted blue hair, and I was, me being the little goody two-shoe boy that I was, I was like, I think I need to ask permission first. <laughs> oh, and then you learned. Ask for forgiveness. Oh, yeah, ask, ask for, for forgiveness because they're not going to make you cut your hair off. They'll, they'll, they might give you time suspension, but... Yeah. Um, so what happened after you wore the dress to the dance? I heard nothing about it. Okay. Um, I was told I couldn't. That was homecoming. I was told if I did it for prom, I'd be in trouble. Mm. Um, I ended up not going to prom. Uh, I don't really know why I didn't go to prom. I don't know if it was because of that or if it was just because I didn't really want to. By then, by, by prom, I was 18. I was, like, an adult. I was going to an actual bar, probably, than yeah. prom. Yeah, Um. But, yeah, I, like I said, by sophomore year, I had decided I was going to do what I wanted to do and verbally reply <laughs> happily <laughs> to anyone that had any problem with it instead of being a quiet little nice person. So, it... That included my principal, um, which I only said mean things to like twice, Um, but it was all valid enough. He never 
discipline me. Okay. <laughs> I guess he thought so. Well, look, I kind of wish that I went to school in this area of the Louisiana because um, I graduated high school in 2005, and between 2000 and 2005, we still had corporal punishment, mm-hmm. and there was a paddle with holes drilled in it for aerodynamics, and uh, probably ninth or I think it was ninth grade. Um, I was throwing rocks, but not at people, just throwing rocks in general. And I guess the assistant principal deemed that worthy enough for me to get corporal punishment. So uh, I got brought into the office, and um, there was behind the principal, um, there was a lure box of uh, like fishing lures. And he said, pick out a lure and uh, stare at it, and whacked me with this paddle. Uh, as a high schooler, I was like, what just happened? I Literally, I was bruised on the backside, and it hurt to sit. And I don't think they do that anymore, but it doesn't sound like that that was a thing here. I In, in my primary school, they definitely, they needed parental permission kind of a thing. But I remember one time I was in the principal's office, and they were going to hit me. And my mom said, if you lay your hands on my kid, I'm going to hit you back. Um, and they did not. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know, I was threatened with that. Um, I, I was I was never really hit as a kid, though, either, even for my parents. Um, okay, that's good. Uh, I, I don't know. They never... I, I, I was hit, literally. There's only two times I can remember being hit. And one time it seemed... Like, it didn't affect me. It probably hurt them more than it hurt me. And one time, I talked back to my mom, and she just hit me. And I, <laughs> I remember mean, but, being yeah. like, um, but also, I don't know. It did not make me respect her more, so. Okay. Um, so, yeah. but um, growing up, you wasn't, like, your family dynamic was fine? Yeah, my mom and dad got divorced when I was, like, 12-ish, okay. maybe. Um but yeah, they're fine. Um, my mom and dad were fine, and the disagreements that they had in their marriage were not in front of me. Okay. Um, you know, and I remember one day my mom just came in bed to wake me up for school and was like, "We're getting a divorce, by the way." And I was like, "Okay." And I was like, "Can I live with you?" And she said, "Yes." Um, so wow, it was you know very like that and. Um, and even now, my family is fine. Um, they don't have problems with me or anything like that. Um, well, they shouldn't. I mean, you're <laughs> you're you're like well into your adult years now. Exactly. Um, okay, so we're at thirty eight minutes. I have a few more uh, questions that I'm 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 genuinely curious about, but um, I want to talk a little bit about the organization, the nonprofit, um, Louisiana Trans Advocates, what does that nonprofit do for trans people? Yeah, it was originally founded basically as a social support group um, to happen monthly that trans people could go to. It was originally in New Orleans and um you know, people would show up and they would really just talk. It was nothing super formal, just people shared how they felt. Other people said, we're here for you. And, you know, they had a community that way. 
Um, nowadays we have uh, like 10 support groups around the state. Um, we also have other resources, like we have a healthcare provider list to help uh, trans people find access to healthcare resources, like therapists and doctors that are affirming. Um, we help people deal with like name changes and whatnot. Uh, so we provide supports to the people going through their journey. Um, we do education, like I have spoken to groups of lawyers, groups of teachers, groups of uh, students. Yeah. I've spoken to so many peoples uh, about, um, you know, just trying to create safer spaces for trans people in whatever various area they're in. Um, I, and of course, you know, I do advocacy. Um, we, our organization has almost always been had a priority of like having presence at our state capitol and connecting with legislators. Um, you know, sometimes uh, there were also like local movements, like in New Orleans and whatnot, to do like local measures. But yeah, that we we honestly do everything we can to yeah. help trans people in Louisiana um, feel better. Hold on. All right, I had to, my little boy was asking me if he could get to the bathroom, and it, it's locked. Okay. <clears throat> um, and you're also uh, the first openly transgender person elected in a state of Louisiana position uh, back in 2020. Yep. Um, what position was that? I, I'm, I'm, I have my notes here, but I don't know if I see it. Yeah, I, uh, in 2020, I was elected to the Democratic State Central Committee, um, which is essentially like the board of directors for the state Democratic Party. The Republican Party has the Republican State Central Committee, which is the same thing. Yeah. Um, How many people is on this committee? Uh, the Democrats, well, there are two people in every House district, which I think means there's 210 of us. Um, wow. I believe the Republicans do Senate districts, so there's probably close to 50. Okay. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Okay. So um, in this role, what do you do? Do you do is it a similar role as the Louisiana Trans Advocates? It basically, is it that? Or what is what is your role in the government? It's very different. Um, I'm, the Democratic State Central Committee's job is to, you know, be a Democratic Party, is to... Uh, find candidates, to support candidates, to uh, if, or endorse them, I guess would be the more formal word. Um, you know, we also, like, deal with the party leadership. Um, you know, I, I was recruited as a, in an effort to try to get the state Democratic Party to try to stop being the Republican Party, um, which is kind of what it's doing right now. Um, it, we did not have enough votes okay. to have a majority to, you know, whatever. So that we were not very successful. Um, the Democratic Central Committee is actually up for election in March. So, you know, there will be another attempt to 
try to make the Democratic Party more democratic. Um, so our Democratic Party in Louisiana is more Republican than anything? It does not follow the Democratic, the national, the Democratic National Party's platform very Why? well. I don't understand that. Well, them, is it because of John is, Bell? It's part of it. The the they the people that are responsible for it believe that they are better suited trying to take moderate Republicans away than actually activating Democrats, which we know are not voting very well. Yeah, uh, and have been on the decline of voter turnout for, I believe, over a decade now. Is that statewide or just national? Statewide, probably is some to some degree national as well, but for just statewide. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, the Democratic Party isn't leaning into any, like, deep Democratic values, you know, like... Like, I think a minimum wage is a great one. Like, we don't have a state minimum wage. We're one of the very, I think we're the only state, maybe. We're one of the few states in the country to not have a state minimum wage. Oh, wow. We have a federal minimum wage. Yes, um, but not a state. Um, Many states across the country have either a slightly higher or much higher state minimum wage, so they don't actually follow the federal minimum wage. That's so wild. I didn't realize that. Yes. um, Okay. And, of course... Yeah, so they did try that. There was a bill, you know, they did yeah. attempt it, but it's it's not something... Our Democratic Party is really failing to connect with voters right now, um, the Democratic voters. In, in the state of Louisiana, there are more Democrats than Republicans, like in most districts by... they It was by a fairly significant amount, and now that's kind of like changing because... The Democrats aren't voting. Some of them are changing to Republican, blah, blah, blah. You know, it just depends on the Yeah, I mean, uh, oh, God, Kathleen Blanco's daughter, uh, Monique, she went from Democrat to Republican. And I had her on uh, whenever she was running. And I asked, well, that was one of my first questions, like, why did you go from Democrat to Republican? And she, she gave a pretty, I would say, political very easy answer that was like my husband he's very conservative and we our family has conservative values and I just aligned with that a lot more and I just thought you know it was convenient that she switched parties shortly before deciding to run for mayor president which I was like hey whatever do you but it, it seemed interesting yeah I could never get away with running as a Republican, as a Republican, because I, they would never believe me, <laughs> but um, I don't believe Democrats could really get elected. I mean, like in the, in the parish of Lafayette, I would not see that being. Oh, no, Lafayette's very, very, yeah, conservative. Well, if Democrats voted, actually, there'd be more. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> but like the, 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 the majority of the, the Republicans here uh, are very active. Yeah. Well, I say very active. It's it seems not like the majority, it. but the majority of the people who are active are Republican. Right. There you go. That's, that's actually that's only what we're like looking for. Thirty percent of voters. I know it was a very low turnout for. Um, was it the the runoff? I think it was a super low turnout. Like 18%, and that's percent. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why. Um, uh, that's why a lot of people believe that Monique Blanco Boule got it versus Josh Guillory. 
I would argue that if more people voted, they would have probably voted for Monique too. But because um, yeah, Josh Gillery had a lot going against him, even a lot of staunch Republicans were like, ah. But I, I will agree that the thing. That's the thing about democracy is if people don't vote, you're only relying on the people who do vote. Yeah. And then it becomes a get your people out to vote war. Mm-hmm. And, and in my opinion, this is why our democracy is failing actively yeah. because so few people vote. But Because, well, you know, I think the for many years the, the chant has been, you know, um, I say a chant, I use that word loosely, is that, our vote doesn't matter because I think they they're looking at national like federal because right. we have the electoral college and it feels like at times our vote doesn't matter because the popular vote will say one thing the electoral college will say another well the electoral college is the one that def- that defines the vote it's like oh well they have a lower turnout but that's who we're going with right. um, and I want to say in 2016 when Donald Trump got elected I think the popular vote was not for Donald, but the Electoral College was for Donald. That's right. Which is wild. I, I still, to this day, don't fully understand how that works and how... I think I, I say I, I do have some understanding, but it's still wild to me that we go off of that. And But statewide and locally, we don't have electoral positions. No, I believe the Electoral College only works for the presidential. Everything else is okay based off of... Popular vote. vote. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and all the statewide, yeah, it's all popular vote, but again, people have to vote. Yeah, I know. I mean, if, if we don't turn out, it's like we literally have no reason to complain. Um, you know, we just have to deal with it. Um, so I want to I wanna shift a little bit, going back to a couple of questions. Um, when you started exploring transness and made the decision to commit um did can you put your headphones on he's jamming (laughs) he is jamming um did you make the after you making the decision to commit did you have to have a funeral for your old self i okay i'm not i don't believe in that okay for myself um like I, there are some people that say like the old person dies and then you know uh, I don't believe that I I would say more like the, my authentic self kind of like unfolded more like a flower opening up or something yeah. like that um I, I I know that my mom and my family and stuff like that I mean they had um a grieving period essentially I don't know if they would describe it as grieving, but they had a they had a transitional period of figuring it of out of their own, it. yeah, right. So, um, but I don't know. I I don't know. I it's a gratitude thing for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a more, not a less thing. Got it. Got it. Okay. Because I I hear some people, you know, mainly it's families dealing with the idea of losing what they knew. And gaining something else, and they having to go through that that period of transition and trying to understand what's happening, and essentially yeah. the loss of what they formerly knew. I would argue it's not always even about what they know; it's about 
I think it's, I think what people more so mourn isn't necessarily the actual person. It's like their idea of the person. Uh, yeah. You know, like parents, we have, you all have parents, I'm not a parent, so parents have like, they have ideas for their kids. They think, oh, they're going to grow up to be a this or whatever. Like, you know, they have ideals for them, whatever yeah. that is. And I think when your kid, parents in all different ways feel this, but your kid either does something that you just, really don't want I'm doing or whatever and then you have to be like okay I have to figure out how I'm going to accept that my kid is gonna you know go down a different path than yeah. I expected and I think that's what's really happening for those parents and those families they're kind of kind of shifting and accepting yeah. and whatnot so you went through a name change right yeah yeah so tell me about that like when did you commit to the name change so I'll first say my my Peyton, my first name is the name I was given. Okay. Um, from birth, I never disliked it. Um, some trans people, their names like are really triggering to them. Like I know some trans people that just hearing their name, even if it has nothing to do with them, you know, just like hear their dead name in public, it'll like really affect them. Um, I never really had that. Um, so I didn't feel the need to change my first name. Um, I ended up changing my middle name and my last name. Um, my middle name, uh, I was given a saint name, which I still appreciate. Um, and it was just more masculine. So I thought I should change it. I changed it to Rose because that was like the closest thing I could get to a saint. Yeah. Um, because, like, Divine Feminine and whatnot. Um, and then Michelle is my mom's first name. Um, I didn't want any of my family's names. I didn't like my mom's family's last names. I didn't want my dad's last names. So I took her first name, and I figured I'd kind of, like, start a new yeah. family kind of yeah. vibe. Um, and I decided that um, I was kind of... I don't know. It was definitely a journey. I, it's not changing my first name. I think probably made it a little simpler for me or maybe it made it harder <laughs> because I didn't like hear my name all the time. Like, you know, people call you by your first name. So I, it's not like I was hearing it. And I know some people like to try different names and they'll, you know, how they hear it and how they feel about hearing it. They'll be like, I don't like that. They'll try something new. And then they like find eventually they'll find something and they'll stick with it. Um, I didn't really have that because I never changed my first name. So I don't know. I honestly changed my name when I ran. Um, I When you ran for the government position? Yeah. yeah. Um, when I ran for DSCC, I decided I already I knew what I wanted my name to be before that. And I just hadn't gone through the process and running uh, my old last name was on the ballot because I didn't have my name changed. Oh, and yeah. It was just, like, kind of annoying to me. So it was a motivator to, like... A name changes in St. Martin Parish cost $400. Good God. Um, that is not the most expensive in the state. But that's a lot. That's a lot of money. Most, most parishes charge hundreds of dollars for name changes. Um, so that's why I hadn't done it before. Yeah. Um, but at that time, I decided... It's time. So I did it. And yeah, yeah. I definitely don't regret it. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I, I was wanting to know. I, I, I was like, I feel like Peyton could be Peyton's original name, but I was like, eh, let me ask. Let me, let me verify. And I didn't want to like point blank ask you, hey, what was your prior name? Because 
trying to be sensitive to, because some people kill off their old person, you know, as right. some people want to do. And I didn't want to like, I didn't want to stick my metaphorical spoon in the, the pot and stir it as hard as I could. I was like, let me, let me just be gentle with it. Um, what about, this is me being curious. I'm just, I'm, I'm cause I, you've, you, we mentioned RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, I know of the term um, tucking. Okay. And for those that don't understand what the term tucking is, uh, it is what it sounds like. Um, I, I could not imagine doing that because the feeling of parts moving around just gives me the, the queasies. But um, it's, a, it's a process, a lot of tape involved, apparently. Um, I, I feel like I know too much. And then, so not enough. It's weird. Um, where are you at, if you don't mind, and you, we can pass on this, in your transition journey? Are you, are you in that stage where you're post? Let's stop there. Um, yeah, let's let's get glad. Let's let's. <laughs> I okay. So let's start I'm by saying around the bush here. Everyone's transition is different. You know, not everyone wants surgery. Not everyone wants right. every surgery. And surgery is crazy. It's very expensive. You know, every, it's all just different. Not everyone takes hormones. Some people will literally just figure it out themselves. Um, everyone's very different. You know, it just depends. For me, um, I grew up wanting every surgery basically yeah. offerable um, to trans femme people. Um, but I... I don't know. I think, I think I, throughout the journey, what I learned was how to actually love myself. And then of course, lots of therapy. Um, and so I, I don't know to this day, like sometimes I'll think, oh, I should go do it, this or that. Um, but I guess all I'm saying is no, I haven't gotten any surgeries. I don't have any plans for any surgeries. I think that I'm okay with where I'm at in my life, with my body, with my choices. Um, I, you know, in the most simplest of form, this is the way God made me. Yeah. And I'm cool with it. I don't feel the need to change it. Maybe I'll feel differently, and then I'll go about that. But um, but right now, no. Okay, yeah, I love that. Uh, hey, and like you said, everybody's um, everybody's journey is different, and right. what, they, what they're comfortable with. Because surgery is a a big deal, and you hear all the time of surgeries being botched. And some of them are successful and some of them are not. It's just you never know. The worst part, I mean, you have to pay for them, and then you have to be off of work for days or weeks i mean it's such an investment energetically and monetarily that you have to and you know some people think i mean even cisgender people think if they'll go get surgery they'll love their body they'll love whatever Talking about gender uh, or body dysmorphia right i mean every people get plastic surgery for all different types of reasons i think some people think that they'll be happier with surgery I'm not a person to tell them any different, yeah. you know what I mean? But for me, I just didn't, I, I thought I would be that way and I just haven't found my way 
there yet. Only had an appendix removal. Okay. Wow, that's a big so one. I guess too. I'm not the way God made me. <laughs> <laughs> I oh god, I've had tubes put into my body. I haven't mm-hmm. had anything removed yet, and I'm hoping that stays that way. Amen. Knock on wood. Yes. Um, now I want to get I want to get your opinion on something. Um, so there are some very popular. Uh, trans people. And it's interesting. It feels like trans women is the most dominant talked about sector of trans people. You don't hear a whole lot of, a whole lot of trans men. You don't hear a whole lot of from them. And I think that's so funny because you don't really hear a a whole lot from men in general. Usually women are the louder spoken people, uh, in a room. Um, don't come at me for that. It is what it is. Um, there are some men that are loud though, but, uh, trans, you don't hear a whole lot about trans men and anything about them. It's trans women. And even on the, the, like the social media sphere, there's a lot more trans women that are more dominant. One in particular, Blair White. I don't know. You, I think you're probably familiar with Blair White, um, especially in the political sense. Um, what is your opinion on those those people, those trans women? Um, I'll start by saying I'm really bad at consuming trans, trans media. Um, so do you know, know who Blair White is? I though? do know okay. who Blair is. I, I know who most of, I know them by name and I know their face, but I really don't know very much about okay. them. got it. Um, I... It's interesting that you think there's more trans women than men. I don't know if I necessarily dis. I don't know if I necessarily agree, but it's you know it's making me think like hmm, you know. And so I don't know. Uh, I you know I sometimes wonder. <laughs> the questions I'm asking is like, so why? It's like, is this because of like the fetishization of trans women, which I think really propels a lot I'm of sure. trans women yeah. forward? Um, you know, one thing that trans people don't talk about a lot because it's a very t- touchy and sketchy subject, especially to talk about with cis people. But like, when trans people are growing up, we are like socialized within the, you know, often we're forcibly socialized in ways we don't want. Um, I remember, I mean, I grew up uh, a a boy, I guess, and um, I mean, even as a boy, I constantly got called she by waiters and waitresses um, at tables, and then my mom and dad be like, you know, whatever. Um, But, you know, as I started to transition, I started to see how, you know, I was being treated different because I was 18 as a kind of a dude, and it's hard to say that, but, yeah. um, and then I, you know, I transitioned and, um, I saw how people treated me differently and I don't know, it's, uh, it, it's just a very complex, you know, how we're raised and whatnot. Um, I guess one could argue maybe like people assigned female at birth, they're not really socialized to take up space very much. They're, you know, socialized to kind of like be the yeah. helper, and so then they transition into trans men, and then they're like, where does that socialization leave them? Um, it's all very complex. I mean, gender is... Oh, no, it's extremely complex. Um, like, we'll have discussions with um, various different people, and like I said earlier, 
not really discussions with trans people because we don't really know a whole lot of, of trans people. And you're the one of the first that I've met. And over the past, I would say, five years, maybe even less, I've noticed more publicly out trans people than I've ever seen before. Um, I don't know what the the, necess- the cause of that is and why that might be, but even like in positions of public-facing positions at businesses, I've seen people who I view as trans people. Like I can tell, like there's a there's a change happening with this person, uh, one way or the other, and I'm like, I don't remember this being a thing as publicly as it is today back in like the early 2010s or even before. And so it it led me thinking like, why, why does it seem so public now? I don't know um, what your take might be on that. Um, But I guess I would ask, or my prompt would be, do you feel for some people that the trans position, the trans movement is a trend that some people feel like they want to hop on that they may be in a position that they're not sure where they're at. Not to say, not Let, to say that it's let's, trendy. Let's go. We'll come back to that. Let's yes. start with um, in my in my presentation. I give people when I go like give presentations. Um, I have a chart of left-handedness in the U.S. during the 1900s. Um, as you may know, left-handed people were stigmatized, and they literally thought they were of the devil wow. back in the early 19... As as late as the early 1900s. Um, I mean, even before that, of course, they were, like, chastised and told you need to write with your right hand. Um, I'm sure you've heard some stories about this. Yeah, yeah, um, vaguely. I hear more about the, the, the trying to push out Cajun French... That, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, my dad is left-handed, so I've heard a lot. He's told me stories about how they tried to tell him he needed to write with his right hand. Of course, there's no scissor. There were no scissors for left-handed people back then. There was no anything. Like, you you had to assimilate to some degree okay. to right-handedness. And it wasn't until stigma for left-handedness fell, um, uh, you know, that the first left-handed scissors were invented, I believe, in 1967. I love that you know this. <laughs> uh, I've This is part of my presentation, and there's a, I don't have the graph with me, but there's a literal line graph showing, like, left-handedness is kind of flat, and then the stigma, like, there's more and more left-handedness, and then around the, the mid-60s, there's, like, a sharp uptick in it. Um, and then it kind of like, you know, it keeps going up and then it kind of plateaus out a bit, um, to at whatever percent it is probably nowadays. And it's all because of stigma. I mean, it's not like anyone, it's not like people were born left-handed more often. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it was yeah. purely based on social stigma. Um, that, and now there are more left-handed people there were a century ago. Okay. Um, so that's a really interesting point. I do think, of course, with trends, I do think that there are people who want to fit into trends. I, will, I won't deny that. But I would also argue that that's, I don't know, I would think that's smaller than the amount of people who, like, now are just feeling better about it, feel the stigma dropping. Yeah. Um, so so you, potentially the before when the stigma was, greater on trans people um those people that to if if 
given the fact that today they would be trans, but potentially 10, 15 years ago, those people would just more or less identify as being gay. Or they wouldn't do anything. Okay. You know, I mean, I still know trans people that don't transition until their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, actually. Like, I I know trans people that have transitioned at literally all ages. And I know trans people that I still know older trans people that still don't feel like they can come out because they don't think their family oh, will wow. do it. They think whatever, you know. So, in <clears throat> fact... One of my good friends committed suicide like oh, no. months ago, and they were a trans person, and they, and it's still no one knows besides probably me and, you know, probably a handful of other people, and you know, so you know it's that stigma still exists for sure. It's still keeping some people in the closet. Um, it's still making some people, you know. Ex- express their identity in whatever various other ways that they can but i mean it's a balance <laughs> yeah it's a balance i mean and like you said the trendy part of it might be less it just i guess trying to make sense out of because especially with rupaul's drag race starting in the earlier 2010s and then the 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 popularity of that i feel like especially uh drag drag race scene the drag queen scene has definitely exploded right that's what i would think i would say actually i think you know there are trans people like i said all transition is different i think we should all be more encouraged to like try dressing differently i think men should be encouraged to wear heels so they can see how godly atrocious it is i think i tried my mom's heels on when i was a kid it sucks i (laughs) think it's healthy to experiment and try different things and I think that the trend probably does, you know, push maybe other people to try things, um, which I would think is positive. Um, But there's also, there's a big difference between people who make doctor's appointments, go to the doctor, the doctor approves them for pills, they get on pills, we have to take pills our entire lives. Well, it's not always, but like... Like, I probably will be taking pills my entire life if I don't get surgery. So, if any, if tomorrow I said, nope, I'm done with this, I could stop taking the pills, I'd probably have a mental breakdown while my hormones shifted back, and then I'd be okay, you know what I mean? But, like, it's, yeah, I think, you know, we we should encourage people to try new things, and also, I think it's really irrational to think that just because people are trying new things on, like, a really harmless way of wearing different clothes or maybe wearing makeup or something, it's all very temporary things. I don't think those people are making any kind of flippant jump to hormones or surgery or anything crazy because, again, there's barriers to entry and regulation. Yeah. And, you know... Yeah, it's it's not like you can just snap your fingers and have everything done. It's funny you mentioned um, just kind of playing around with exploration and change, like trying different things. Uh, I feel like Bruce Jenner was in that stage for a while, and he was apparently caught uh, wearing dresses in in his closet and doing things, wearing makeup. But on TV, you would never see that. And then. Uh, at a certain point, I guess, whenever him and his wife were having issues uh, and they split and he can't, he comes out as a trans woman or uh, I, I don't know if it was transgender first because I know there's t- 
they're different, right? Mm. Are are they interchangeable? No. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was it was a lot of people for a lot of people it was a shock, but for some people it was not like they were like they saw it coming. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you know we all deal with it in different ways. I think some people get to experiment. Some people don't. You know, some people. This is maybe a rude way to say it, but for some people, they experiment the rest of their lives because they never feel like they can really like invest further than just kind of experimenting a couple times a year in the privacy of their own home. Um, You know, and then there are whole groups of people that tell them they what they're doing is wrong and they need to stop and they should. I mean, that's where we go back to just leaving people alone. If it yeah. doesn't bother you personally, then, I mean, obviously for them, it's bothering them personally, but it, it doesn't affect you personally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, the people ask lots of invasive questions and I often just try to tell people like, do you need to know what genitalia people have? Like, well, is it, is it really going to affect how you treat them? And also if it is, what does that say? Yeah. Like, I don't know. There's so much. If people are hurting other people, that's totally one thing. And, right. of course, you address that. But if you're offended because someone is walking next to you, you know, outside of your personal space. And there's there's people out there that there are. are offended by people walking next to them. Uh, there sure there's are. a special place for those people. Amen. <laughs> um, okay, so I want to start uh, closing up, but there's another topic that I think is an interesting one is dating. Mm. So the dating scene for trans people and straight people are obviously different, but also it's starting to it's starting to feel like it's becoming more meshed and. What is your thoughts on the dating scene? Is is there an etiquette that is there for, let's say, let's say for example, a trans woman meets a, a straight guy, a straight guy, and what does that interaction look like? Is there an etiquette? Yeah, I think there's etiquette for everyone. I mean, Correct. even you know, when you meet someone, you talk to them. When you think you might go further one would hope that you have a conversation about setting boundaries, using protection, etc. Like there's there I mean I guess it's not always that clean, but like, you know, like so for me as a trans person dating, it's very touchy. I I find a lot of anxiety in dating. Oh, I bet. Um, <laughs> I don't like to meet people in public because I know they don't, I I don't assume they know that I'm trans and I don't mind telling them, but like often it's in a bar and they or we are both, you know, there's drink, there as alcohol involved. It's really not the time. Yeah, it's not conducive to a a good understanding. It's, you're right. And it's difficult. You never know what's going to happen. Um, there is something called the gay panic defense that is essentially allows that is a legal defense for some people to like literally murder people mm. because of like they feel like they didn't disclose. Okay. Um, it's 
it's pretty atrocious. So like for me, it gives me a lot of anxiety. I prefer dating online because then I know I can disclose before. I mean, when I've dated online, I don't even give them my phone number until like when they ask for my phone number, I'll be like, okay, happy to give you my number. I'm making sure you know this before we move forward. And they'll be like, yeah, and I'll be like, cool. And then we move on. And it's not that big of a deal, but, um, but it does add a lot of anxiety. Um, you have to be super vigilant with who you meet. Yeah, I, I don't think everyone needs to know that I'm trans, and but I do think that if, like, you know, being intimate with someone is in the very foreseeable future, that I don't want them to find out during that process, so I'm going to tell them. Um, but, like, like I said, how do you know when that's going to be? Do you know? it's not always clean sometimes it just kind of happens and you know it's it's a very messy that's it's why i usually date online in fact i've I've actually just stopped dating kind of because i'm just like it's so touchy and then then i'm like a public figure to add on top of all the other drama yeah um i mean i travel and people google me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I th- I'm like I think I'm safe because I'm not in Louisiana, but no, I'm not because no, they Google you. Google. Um, so it's you know it's like it's a very touchy subject. I in in a perfect world, I think we care about people more for their who they are, and and like yeah, I think the other things matter, and I do think it's valid to a degree to like make decisions about your partner based on the other things but like you know i would start to say like do you need to express all of those things out loud to that person yeah (laughs) can you just be like love you gotta go you know like there's there's ways to be respectful about having your your own preferences and boundaries and um and ex- and communicating all of those things, um, you know, uh, and then there's the stigma. Like you said, I, I've talked to lots of men that that sounds bad, but I've talked to some people that you know they they would love to date me, but oh my god, what would their family think? Okay. And so then they don't even really explore it further. Um, yeah, sounds to me it's like cool. Sounds like a problem I don't have to deal with um, ever now because you've helped me so protect me from it. But you know, ultimately, it's 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 tricky for me. It's tricky for them. It's tricky for everyone. And and now dating is getting just wild, yes. messy for yeah. everybody it's involved. M- no, dating is messy for everybody. Like I'll uh, I'll be scrolling through TikTok and I'll come across a video of. A woman, you know, a straight woman, uh, trying to figure out the dating scene, and like this woman's like in her mid thirties, and she's like, "Where do people go to meet people now?" Because bars are one of those places where it used to be socially acceptable to meet people there. Now it's like not, and so now people are like, "Where do people go?" And yeah. it's just it's it's interesting to see the progression of where dating has gone, even from whenever I was I guess in my dating era um which I really didn't have much of um but yeah it's definitely different and uh I would not want to be in that pool today 
Yeah, I don't think anyone does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. Think <laughs> I think we're all pretty done with it. Uh, you um, know, it, and that's why online dating has become so uh, prevalent and easier because there's this certain kind of wall where you can meet people without having that that I guess that awkwardness at first. Um, I'm thankful that I didn't really have to dive into too deep in that. I think whenever I first started coming of age, I think eHarmony was the biggest thing. And that, that cost a lot of money. And so I didn't do it. Yeah, I, I'm kind of thinking, I think we're moving away from dating apps and towards like matchmaking or something. Like I, I don't know. I like dating your friends kind of a thing. Mm. Like dating people you know or your friends setting you up yeah. with other people. or Like a, like a dating reference. Like, hey, I right. think I know someone who you'd be perfect with. I, I feel like that's kind of the direction our society is moving in for dating seems safer seems safer you know i the, i don't think online dating is outright unsafe by any means but it's like i hate online dating because i mean first of all i don't want to be on my phone that long yeah and second of all hi 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 how are you doing how are you doing how are you doing it's no um and then yeah and then there's the there's that statistic where like if you don't meet someone within two weeks of talking to them you're probably never going to meet them oh, like there's lots of yeah. weird statistics about online dating so that's it's, where the anxiety really kicks in is like okay it's been after two weeks we usually i'm like if i don't want to meet you within 72 hours i'm probably not okay yeah because especially if you're local if yeah exactly yeah yeah Goodness. dating's hard yeah okay um now I want to go ahead and close up uh, with a question of since you and I have been in Leadership Lafayette and we have been considered some of the most powerful people in Lafayette, which is so interesting to, 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 to see, um, where do you hope to see Lafayette specifically, but I guess Southern Louisiana um, in the next five to 10 years, uh, whether that be with your involvement or not? I hope that Lafayette can um, really continue to invest in, I think the biggest problem with Lafayette is all of the smart young people leaving. Yeah, brain drain. Brain drain. I think that is, I mean we can connect that to like economic development or housing or whatever but i think like as an overarching issue i think that's our biggest issue so i really hope that like the the investments that need to be made in like economic development for good jobs or whatever it may be i just hope that like we can get to a better place where all of our smart people don't leave i mean i have as a young person I regularly meet young people who I remember I was at Scooters, the little coffee place, and I was in the drive-thru, and this lovely girl was helping me, and it was taking, it took more than two seconds, so we chatted for a moment, and she's like, yeah, I just graduated, um, can't wait to get away, and she was leaving, and I was like, oh, you're leaving, and you know, it's, yeah. I left the drive-thru with my white chocolate mocha just really sad because I'm like, God, I don't know her. And she's leaving. Know, but I feel like she adds value, even though I've literally only talked to this girl for a minute. 
but I know that she has some value that she's already committed to exporting out of this place. And I just see that everywhere. I know all of the people I know are leaving. So many people I love are leaving, like friends. It's just so sad. So I really hope that in the next five to 10 years, we can really like pinpoint that the problems better on that and invest in the solutions because I don't see how Lafayette continues to get better as we continue to export our better. Yeah, yeah. Exporting our talent is what's happening. And we are, I know for the past few years, we've been trying to figure out how to keep people here. And I feel like we, we get to an area where we're close. Like, Waiter was such a shiny little diamond that happened. And then it became a turd so fast. And all of a sudden, Lafayette was at, went from like being like this perspective, like tech bubble, like tech hub area because of Waiter specifically, because it was like the, the, the one public company that we really had to like see recently. And mm-hmm. whenever it started fizzling out and started going downhill is whenever it's like, oh, we were just a joke. It's just a joke, guys. We're not really that place. And it's it's unfortunate. Yeah, I I mean, as a young person, I also understand it. I'm like, I don't, I, I literally created my own job because I didn't want any of the jobs yeah, available oh, no to me. Um, obviously not everyone has that privilege and that energy or whatever. Um, but I'm grateful I did. And so I don't know. I, it's like, what do we expect these people to do? Do we expect them to create their own jobs? No, no, they're not. They, they've been told their part, good chunk of their life that they need to work, do good in school and get a degree and, either being in the medical field or in some sort of tech or software development oil field. or yeah. And then bounce and you know, go, go somewhere where you can make a lot of money. Cause you're not making it here. Yeah. And even with remote work, you would think that to some degree, there'd be an ability to like stay here and have a job elsewhere. Yeah. But I, I think mean, that's, that's such a small few people too, that do yeah. get the remote jobs that pay well, uh, a lot of times what I'm what I'm seeing is people move first. They go grab the job in person, get established in the company, and then are like, hey, I've been here. Bennett, you're moving the camera, buddy. <laughs> uh, they, they, they get their job and they become secure in it and then are like, okay, I, I want to bounce. And like, can I remote work? Like, I want to travel. I want to do this. And then they get the good they get the good remote work and get paid, you know, California money. But in like Tennessee or Louisiana, they come back and like, hey, I got my remote my remote work it's locked in. That'd yeah. be nice. I mean, even so many beloved establishments that have been closing, as I know you know about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, to my knowledge, these people didn't pay well. No, and they didn't treat their employees to a, like degree that they felt appreciate it and it's like we have to do better ourselves we have to value people it's like 
that that's the actual problem. We don't value people enough. And so they're like, I'm going to go somewhere that values me more. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know how to make these people value you because they already think that paying you tip wages is too much. It's like, I just, it, it comes back to Christianity. I'm like people, Christianity is about abundance and loving each other and mm-hmm. sharing and making sure other people have food on their table and their housing. And we just don't invest very much energy into that. Um, sadly. Yeah. Well, I love the, uh, that perspective. I, I thought you were going to take it a different direction. And I love that you really focused on the betterment of the economic status and the, the fact that we don't, we're losing people, uh, is, I mean, that's the bare minimum. Like, yeah, yeah, I want, you know, I also want trans people to feel safe and I want all of these other things. And now I think that's an obvious. Right. But also it's like, I, I, I'm always trying to tell people like when, when the baseline is poverty, like I can't ask for this level to be met. Like we need to go to the poverty line and try to take those people up. We can't, mm-hmm. we can't just magically have everything perfect. And like, I, I'm, like we know poverty is like the cause of every problem in our society, crime and all. It's like people would probably be nicer to people if they weren't so stressed. Oh, yeah. People probably wouldn't care about trans people if they were just good. You know what I mean? And and maybe that's why big cities don't care as much because they have resources and they, they're they not as worried about some things. And I, I, you know, I don't know, but... Um, yeah, it seems I, like, it seems like it better. goes all back to money. A lot of it. You know, it it does. And it, it comes to, like, why... Why... Is it so difficult for other people to get money? Why do people not feel like they should have money? And um, it can also go back to education. We know Leadership exactly Lafayette, right. education in Louisiana is the, the one of the worst. Well, and, and then you're going to get me on a tangent about how, you know, <laughs> our system is just so willfully uninterested in actually supporting people. <sighs> I um, know oh, we could go yeah. look. We could go a lot longer on this. <laughs> uh, two, this road. next time on the two-hour <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, no, we're at a, an hour and thirty minutes here. Um, one of my, this is one of my average longer longer episodes, which is um, interesting. I figured it would carry over the forty-five minute mark that I try to aim for. Um, but I, I was like, you know what? I have a lot of topics that I want to cover, and there's a lot of things that I think I want to. Uh, getting, me and you really haven't spoke a whole lot in Leadership Lafayette. We really didn't. Uh, there was a handful of others, too, that I really didn't sit with. Like, one was uh, Cabrina. I never really sat with her that much. Um, Cade, I never really sat with him him too much. So there's a few people that I'm still, like, uh, that's why I'm, I'm like, inviting people onto the podcast. I'm, I feel like I need to connect with you somehow. And I'm, like, how do I do that? I'll bring you here where it's like one-on-one and like, I'd like to get like a couple of people in here from the the group to have like a a greater discussion of everything that we experienced. And coincidentally, uh, there's a whole new batch of people that's about to be unleashed into um, Lafayette as far as leadership Lafayette goes. So I'm curious to see who those people are uh, and what, what they end up doing because some of our classmates have already 
gained positions in businesses recently. Some people have gotten promotions, and um, one has already has just started working for Leadership Lafayette or the the Institute uh-huh. of Acadiana, Same. which is really cool. I'm like, I didn't know there was a position open, and this person got a position, so it's like, okay. So it's really cool to see the classmates that we've are now part of do things in the community, and uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to continue to see uh, everybody's involvement uh, over the next few years. Um, but it's really cool to be a part of Leadership Lafayette with you, yeah. and um, it was a pleasure having you on. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to mention, or is there anything you want to mention? Um, you know, I I love the message of just, like, love people um you know (laughs) uh, and also my message that i've been trying to send people is is you should probably learn the definition of the word conservative if you're going to call yourself that um you know big government banning things controlling other people's lives not conservative values i agree um i agree but you know what (laughs) People have their own opinions of how things work, and it's usually wrong. <laughs> you know, I, I I don't think they can they can have their opinion about how things work. They should just use a different word. Yeah, like fascism. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, that is that show, uh, Peyton. It was great to have you on. Um, really good conversation. I'm hoping that it was as good for you as it was for me. Yeah. Um, and uh, I really appreciate you and what you're doing. Even though I may not agree with everything that you and I have uh, talked about and do, but um, I do respect you as a person and as a human being. And a Christian, for crazy example, that's this really neat. Um, so, yeah, we, sh- we share a lot, and um, it was a great conversation. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I was a fan of Developing Lafayette before leadership, and I was grateful to be in class with you, and here we are. Yeah. Awesome, yeah. man. Well, look, that is, uh, in, the, in the nutshell, developing Lafayette is to make Lafayette better and develop it into something that we can be proud of. And um, I, I've been doing it for, it'll be 12 years in April, which is wild. Uh, and there's been a lot of good developments, and there's been some interesting, not the greatest developments, but it ebbs and flows. Yeah. So I, I love and appreciate your work. Thank you for the work you do as well. I appreciate you. All right, guys, and that is it. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And we didn't have any comments to to monitor, which is great. So, um, yeah, with that, I'll leave you be. And uh, Peyton, have a great weekend, and I'm pretty sure I'll see you around. Yeah, thank you so much, you too. All right. Y'all have a good one, guys.